Welcome to Senior Connect, a podcast by Okra. In this episode of Feed Your Brain, host Andrea Barato talks with Jean Makesh, CEO of The Lantern Group, to discuss the concept of cognitive reserve and how it applies to dementia patients. Hello, and welcome to Feed Your Brain. I am your host, Andrea Parado. Have you ever heard the phrase, if you don't use it, you might lose it? Did you know this phenomenon can also be applied to the brain? I am joined today by Jean McCash, CEO of The Lantern Group. Hi, Jean. How are you? I'm good, Andrea. How are you? Good. Um, I have a question for you. Is there a way to increase the functional capacity of the human brain? And can we keep our brain healthy? Oh, absolutely. I I think uh, we can. Um, You know, I talked about before where the the size of the brain that I have today is not what I had 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Yes. And uh, my, my brain size has increased because of that constant and consistent learning that I have exposed the brain to. See, the most important thing is how the brain would grow. How do we keep our brain healthy? And uh, it's very simple. The, the, the key, the way we keep our brain healthy is to actually increase the blood supply to, the, to our brain. Okay. Increase vascularization. Okay. Or maintain the 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 blood the blood supply to the brain you know blood carries nutrition and every single time i do an activity just me raising this arm up so there is a part on the right side of my brain that is directly responsible for this movement and as soon as i do that this increased supply of blood blood carries glucose and oxygen to that portion of the brain that part of the brain to those neurons that are directly responsible for this action. And that's how fast it happens. So uh, the, 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 in my mind, the key thing to keep our brain healthy is to ensure that consistent supply of oxygen and glucose to the human brain, to increase the blood supply, get the blood going. And uh, if neurons then don't get the nutrition, that's when the, that, that's when the neurons die. We call it neural depth or it can cause lesions or problems where you know then it has to be repaired so as long as we can keep the blood flowing uh, to the brain we should be good so how do we go about doing that good question that was going to be my next one (laughs) yes how do we go about doing that and first of all number one is activities activities exercises So the brain has, you know, a sensory cortex and also a motor cortex. The sensory cortex is is directly responsible for all the sensory elements, all the sensory functions. And the motor cortex is responsible for all the motor movements. So if there's a way that we can trigger those, the, the sensory elements, the sensory part of the human brain, and also the motor part of the human brain, like the way I said before, every single time you trigger that part of the brain, blood rushes to that part of the brain. The key is to get the blood supply to the brain. So any and every activity that you can think of that will increase the blood supply to the human brain is a good activity. So that should be your foundation. You know, in uh, what I've seen personally, 
and this is I, I think this has to this should be studied more further um, is basketball basketball playing basketball I think will increase uh, the blood supply to the to our brain playing hmm. basketball there you know you you may ask me why not soccer why not football why not baseball all of that all of that does all of that does because they they all incorporate the sensory uh, elements and also the motor elements so you've got the sensory functions and the motor functions firing when when you play any act uh, play any game but more so in basketball the reason i say about basketball is with, when it comes to basketball you should learn to dribble with your left and also with your right then you should be able to cross dribble which means that you got to move the ball across your body midline back and forth when you say a good ball handler that's what they would do they'll cross the ball back and forth now not only that they would also cross the ball under their legs they would cross the ball behind their back so when you do these things now behind your back what you 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 are paying attention to a couple of things you can't see the ball right you can right. only feel the ball right and there has to be a certain pattern mm -hmm. you can hear the ball mm -hmm. okay that's another sensory element right feeling by touch and hearing the ball so you you when you play basketball you don't cease to using your sensory uh, components or your, your motor functions then you got to dribble the ball now you've got very limited time to make a decision problem solving judgment skills to whom to pass when to pass how to pass dribble the ball you got to leap finish a layup or a dunk or shoot the ball when you're shooting the ball you have your movements range of motion uh, at the same time you have to figure out how deep what the depth is and you got to toss the ball you got to you know shoot the ball in a certain arch it has to follow you know the arc is very important the mm -hmm. angling is very important so a lot of things you know you have to do in a very short time because the basketball court is a lot smaller than a football court or a soccer field or a baseball field bigger the spaces it gives you time to figure things out to process it gives you more time whereas when it comes to basketball you don't have much time and you know the reason i'm also more interested in basketball is i started looking uh, uh um, you know basketball players that have alzheimer disease or that may have some form of dementia i couldn't find too many hmm. maybe one or two so i think uh, or maybe a few i would say i i think basketball is a, is a great activity because when anytime you actually move the ball across your midline then or move your arm across the midline you know your right side of the brain uh, fires you do the same thing with the left the you know the i'm sorry move the right the left side of the brain fires when you move your left hand the right side of the brain fires so then the both the sides of the brain have to communicate with each other to create that coordination okay okay and to have the quality of movement so that you don't lose the ball now when you're doing all of that stuff you have to maintain good good stable position mm -hmm. which is posture stability and you have to coordinate you have to move 
that's where the mini brain cerebellum kicks in. So I think, uh, you know, we need to study basketball a little further. I think basketball could be therapeutic um, to keeping the brain healthy when it comes to brain rehabilitation. Um, so that activity, that activity, that particular activities, I think, can help with, uh, with, with uh, neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. Now, so those are some of us that don't like to play basketball. Mm -hmm. What do we do? Right? What do we do? What do we do, right? So I would say, you know, look at the brain as a muscle, okay? You want to grow the muscle, right? Mm -hmm. When you want to grow your biceps or your triceps or your chest muscles or, your, your you know, your, your pecs, you subject the muscle. You've got to stretch the muscle. You have to create a tension for the muscle to grow. The way you do it is either through isometric or isotonic exercises. You know, you use the weights, mm -hmm. repetitions. Mm -hmm. It depends how, uh, depending on the size of the weight, the, 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 the weight of the weight, um, the, the frequency, the repetitions, the number of repetitions, that all matters. So in, in a similar way, when you look at the brain, you want to stretch the brain. You want to create the tension. And the way you go about doing that is actually through new learning. Okay. Learning, new learning that really strengthens your, you know, reinforces and strength, strengthens your, your cognitive health. Um, trying to learn a new language, trying to learn a new skill. That's something that you're not comfortable with. You know, I, in my mind, like the way you build your muscle, mm -hmm. you have to subject your muscle to, you know, different weights that the, the, the muscle is not comfortable with causes pain and discomfort, lifting different sizes, different weight sizes, um, uh, different frequencies, uh, which means different repetitions. You know, more repetition, less repetition, more weight, less weight, all of that matters. So the, the, the most important thing, is when you, you may want to look at the brain in a, in a similar fashion. You know, those, some of us that do not like activities, how can I stretch the muscle? How can I stretch the brain muscle? How can I stretch the brain? Is by subjecting to new learning. Things that are difficult, that are challenging, hard to learn. So if you don't like doing, you know, a certain type of puzzle, I would encourage you to do that. Try it out. You know, learning a new language when you're 40 is not fun. <laughs> Try doing that. Or learning to play an instrument when you're, you know, when you're 60 or 70 year old, you know, just holding the guitar strings you know, can be very, very painful. Yes. Um, so I would say that challenging our brain to new learning would, would help with increasing the blood supply, strengthening what we have, and uh, recruiting new neurons. Um, when you start, when it's new learning, now you have to use a different part of the brain. So you'll have to recruit that neuron. You've got to wire that neuron you know, into your, into the system. So that's how you expand. When I say, you know, health of the brain, strengthen the brain, expand the brain. What I mean by is like increasing the volume of the brain. The way you increase the volume of the brain is recruiting more and more neurons, you know, so that you keep the neurons healthy because uh, the brain is three pounds heavy. I mean, uh, for every heartbeat, 20 to 25% of blood supply goes to the human brain. Think about it. I'm about 180 pounds, okay? 25% of my uh, uh, blood supply for every heartbeat, 20 to 25%, goes to three pound, 
And the poor rest 177 pounds doesn't get, they only get 75%. Huh. So that's how powerful the human brain is. And uh, the one way to keep it healthy is to increase the blood supply. So anything and everything you can do. Uh, I got to tell you something very interesting. I think women, women are at a better advantage when it comes to, I, I think they've got an upper hand when it comes to, uh, when it comes to um, um, expanding the human brain. Hmm. Reason being is, see, when, you, when, when, when a man and a woman are subject to a phonological task, which a phonological phonic is like sound, mm -hmm. different sounds and stuff like that, women use both the, both the sides of the brain to perceive that sound, perceive hmm. that, you know, that, that stimulus. Hmm. Whereas men use only one side of the brain which is the left brain. We use, I use only one side of the brain, whereas you, you use both sides of the brain. So tasks and activities that can, in, that can motivate or use both sides of the brain, incorporate both sides of the brain is fantastic to increasing blood supply. And that's why I felt that basketball is one uh, game or one sport, I, would I should say, helps in you know, recruiting uh, more neurons. Um, if you, when it comes to physical activity, the, if you can subject, like, for example, if I have, if I'm having you engage in an activity, if there's a way that I can maximize your sensory components, you know, your vision, your hearing, you know, and at the same time, also your motor functions. Like, for example, uh, another good activity that I like is the beanbag. You know, you're throwing oh, yeah. the beanbag, right? So you've got two teams standing, uh, uh, you know, uh, parked on the opposite side and, and, and the, the cornhole, right? The cornhole yes. beanbag, right? So you throw the beanbag. So when I'm throwing the beanbag, now not only my cerebellum, my brain, my, my mini brain is responsible for holding my posture. Right. I don't, I, I don't want to slip and fall. And at the same time, I'm actually holding the, um, uh, the, the beanbag and I'm throwing, I'm using vision. Okay, I try to figure out how deep, how far, how much force I got to use, how much energy I have to exert to throw that bean back. At the same time, you know, I'm engaging with my friends, talking, they're joking. And, you know, the team that I'm playing with, they're challenging me. And so now I'm, I'm not only now vision, I'm hearing, I'm, I'm talking, I'm feeling the bean bag with my hands. So I pretty much use all my five senses. You know, not five cents. What if I have to lick it to use my fifth sense? I'm not going to lick. Um, <laughs> Don't the do beanbag. that. <laughs> but uh, standing and 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 the posture and the strength uh, that I need to throw the uh, the beanbag, toss the beanbag, um, the coordination, the range of motion, all of it fires the human brain, increases the blood supply. So uh, that's the key thing. Anything you know, when you when you're trying to create a task, you know, even if you have your senior working on a puzzle. Challenge them to work on the puzzle while standing, while sitting, mm. you know, because it works on your trunk stability, mm. posture, little, little things. So um, I truly believe that we have direct control over the size of our brain. We dictate how big our brain should be. And we can do that. Can you, you've used a word uh, phrase before, um, cognitive reserve. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. So the way I look at cognitive reserve is, I'm just, just use simple um, terms here. Let's say that if my brain has 100 neurons, 
well, my brain doesn't have 100 neurons. My brain has over billion neurons. Yeah. And uh, the neurons, when you connect the neurons, there are connections that tie uh, more than one neuron. They're called as, you know, we call it connections. It's called as, uh, you know, we call it synapses, the connections. There are over a trillion connections. So when you line up all the neurons, you know, and tie them together and you line them up, you can actually go to the moon and come back. That's what is actually in our, in our skull, uh, you know, the three-pound brain. That's how much, how many neurons we have. That's how powerful those neurons are. Now, the way you go about, in my mind, is creating cognitive reserve is, what is it I can do to recruit every neuron that I have in my human brain? I activate every neuron. You know, just moving my finger a little bit activates one part of the brain on the left side. You know, doing a cognitive task will activate a certain part of the brain. So what can I do to keep using my brain? So if you don't lose, you snooze. You know, there's something called as disuse, disuse atrophy. If you don't lose, if you don't use it, you, you, it the, the, that part of the body weakens, becomes less weak. You know, and, and the more you use that, uh, a part of the body that stays strong and becomes stronger. So what is it I can do to use every part of the brain? I mean, is it humanly possible? You know, one way to do it is actually through new learning that I talked about activities and exercises. So cognitive reserve is what is essentially is we expand the surface area of the brain. We know we 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 continue to you know um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for is figure a way to recruit more neurons and, uh, and 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 the process of neurogenesis, birth of new neurons. It's very important. Stress is a big factor. Stress do kill neurons. Really? Yeah. Stress do kill neurons because stress when you're stressed out, there are certain hormones that are produced in the human brain that actually kills the neurons. And, you, and, and that's why when you're stressed, you know, you think about it, when you're stressed, you try to recall a memory. You know, you try to process information when you're stressed. This is not good news for this day and age. Yeah. It's very stressful today. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, or you try to articulate something when you're in an immense amount of stress. Yeah, my words don't work right. I jumble, my, I feel like my brain speaks faster than my my mouth can sometimes. Exactly, exactly. You know, stress plays, plays, a, plays a huge role. And, you know, it's not good. Being stressful is not good. So it, it, it prunes the neurons. It kills the neurons. So you really, you know, you know, stress is something that we have to avoid. Now, by doing that, you're building the cognitive reserve. Okay. By learning new things, you build the cognitive reserve. So let's say I have Alzheimer's disease and I have the brain markers, uh, the plaques and the, the tau protein, and it's gonna go through the course. There's gonna, the, the, you know, my brain is gonna go through the normal course of the disease, right? But if I can, if I expand the surface area of the brain, see, I cannot stop the progression of the disease, but I can slow down the progression of the disease. I can slow down the progression of the disease and, and, and I let, for example, you know, if, if you're standing in a 10, a 10 by 10 room, okay. let's say that, let's talk, let's, you know, I'm standing in a 10 by 10 room okay. and I pour a jug of water in one corner and I let the water trickle down, flow across the room. So a 10 by 10 room, I pour a, a jug of water in one corner, 
You know, by the time the water comes from one corner to another, let's say it takes about 10 minutes. Okay. Let's say it takes about 10 minutes for the water to trickle down the cross. Now, let me take the same jug of water and I pour it in a space that's about 4,000 square feet. Okay, that's okay. bigger. That's very big. That's mm -hmm. really big, bigger than a 10 by 2. Now, I take the same pour, uh, jug of water and I pour it in one corner. How long do you think that water, how long it's going to, it's going to take for the water to trickle across the room. A lot more than 10 minutes. A lot more than 10 minutes, right? So, see, I would see the brain, you know, from that perspective. You know, you do you want a brain that's 10 by 10? Or do you want a 4,000 square foot brain? I want the 400 square foot brain. Yeah, you want the 4,000 square 4, foot 000, brain, yes. right? Yeah, we would love the 400,000 square foot yes. brain. That would be amazing. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. And the jug of the water is nothing but Alzheimer's disease. Okay. That makes so sense. the if the brave the so the, with four thousand square foot you've got more reserve, you've got the capacity more bandwidth uh, you know for the water to trickle down, and it's going to take more than ten minutes for the water to trickle down. Well, that makes sense. So it's important for us to in, in, uh, improve our cognitive reserve, and and studies have shown that you know folks that even though they had the 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 plaques and the the tau protein they never manifested the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. And the only reason they could think why that would have been the case, yes, the amyloid plaques and tau protein is still a hypothesis. Mm -hmm. The brain marker is still a hypothesis. Mm -hmm. We think that's what is causing the disease, right? We don't know for sure. It's still a hypothesis. Still, when they looked at the human brain, when you know when the study showed that some of the few some of the brains that they looked at they had the tau protein and they saw amyloid plaque but those individuals when they were living did not manifest any signs or symptoms of alzheimer's disease the only thing the only reason they think that could have happened or may have happened is because those individuals had a bigger cognitive reserve so see the, the 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 beauty of the brain is not only it's a it's a, it's a very powerful organ the brain actually has the capacity to self repair itself that's amazing so anytime there's a lesion or anytime you know there's a vascular compromise it's going to figure a way to self repair you know you know it's called cortical self repair and uh, sometimes when it's not able to, that's when you start seeing the symptoms. You know, you're not able to move your hand or able to move your thumb or things like that, or you're having difficulty with certain cognitive functions. So the brain does have the capacity to self-repair. We have to give the brain a, a bit more chance to repair more, longer. And the way you would do is increasing the blood supply and keep and increasing the cognitive reserve. Well, that's awesome. And good um, news for all basketball players. Oh, I they're gonna, they're going to be doing great. Uh, thank you very much. That was very interesting. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit us at www.okra.com for more great content.